Hi, I'm Alex Rubin, and you're listening to Grace to Your World, a teaching ministry focused on providing an understanding of God's grace, which will empower you to change your world and live the overcoming life. Now, to find out more about our ministry and to access other free resources, simply head to alexrubinministries.org. And with that being said, let's get into today's teaching. Galatians 3.19, and the King James says, Wherefore then serveth the law, watch this now, he says, the law was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. Till the seed should come. That is referring to Jesus. He, say, he says, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. What I want you to see is that the law had an expiration date. You see, the law was in place, he says, till the seed should come, till Jesus would come into the world. And we saw Jesus saying, we read as Jesus said, that he would fulfill the law. And so the law was in place until the seed would come. And speaking of Jesus, who would fulfill the law. Look at verse uh, 19 in the Amplified Bible. He says, what then was the purpose of the law? He says it was added I want you to notice it was added. You see, the law of Moses, guys, was never, praise God, the the law of Moses was never God's desire for Israel. You see, God really wanted Israel to just relate to him in faith, relate to him in trust and dependence, you see. But he says the law was added later on after the promise to disclose and expose to men their guilt because of transgressions and to make men more conscious of the sinfulness of sin. And so the law was added, guys, as as I've been telling you, not to make anybody holy, but to show people that they need help. Uh, He says to, to, to show people the sinfulness of sin. And watch this now. This is what I want you to see. And it was intended to be in in effect until the seed, the descendant, the heir should come to and concerning whom the promise had been made. And so the law was only intended to be in effect until Jesus would come into the world. Jesus has come to perfectly fulfill the law. Now look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11. Glory be to God. And so I just really want you to be aware of this that the old covenant, the law, was still in effect when Jesus was in the earth during his his earthly ministry. Uh, And so, guys, really what you have when you look at the teachings of Jesus in, in the four Gospels, you really have a unique sort of combination, something that's totally unique in Scripture, because Jesus was really operating as a prophet under the old covenant, but at the same time, He was fulfilling the law, you see. And so when you read the teachings of Jesus, you will find a combination of of him speaking prophetically about what was about to come, the new covenant, the kingdom of God. And at the same time, there's instances where you will see him actually teaching the law. That the Sermon on the Mount is is a good example. (laughs) Uh, How many guys are like me, I I used to read the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, and I used to think, well, that was, 
you know, that's that's something I'm I I, I ought to I ought to strive for. Uh, you know, that's something that's the standard that that we are to live by. <laughs> but you see, guys, what the Sermon on the Mount really is is really Jesus. Praise God, and I think it's so powerful. That, you know, Matthew wasn't the first gospel to be written, but I think it's so fitting that it's the first gospel to appear in the Bible, and then and, and that early on in that gospel, you have the Sermon on the Mount, because the Sermon on the, on the Mount, guys, is really Jesus upping the game, in a sense. You see, when you read in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, you've, you've heard it said of old, but I say unto you. And, and then he goes in to say, uh, you know, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not murder, but I say unto you, if you just think about a person in a hateful way, it's the same as if you kill them. And so really what the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is praise God, it's Moses 2.0. It's really the Law of Moses 2.0. Because what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, he is showing you that the law is not just about superficial things, but it's really about the very heart of man, you see. And so the, 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 the Law, excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount is, is really, is really, functioning in many ways in the same way as the law of Moses in that it sets up an impossible standard. <laughs> Guys, I mean, you read that and, and, and who can do that? You see, who can, who can actually live like that? And so you got to rightly divide that. You got to understand what Jesus was doing in that Sermon on the Mount, you see. And I look at this here in, in Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11. I want us to look at this again, and I want to, I want to show you something here. He says here in, in, in verse 11, praise God. He says here in verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, speaking of the new covenant now, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Now remember, I showed you this on Sunday, what he's doing here is is really comparing and contrast the old covenant of law and the new covenant of grace he's he's comparing the old covenant sacrificial system with the finished works of jesus and so jesus has come a high priest of good things to come he says of a greater more perfect tabernacle not made with hands not of this building the amplified here says not of this material creation and so what i want you to see again is that the tabernacle in the old covenant uh you know the the worship place the the place where the ark of the covenant would be that 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 physical tabernacle in the old covenant was a type and a shadow pointing to the true tabernacle guys which is the born again believer you see Praise God, you see, now we no longer need an Ark of Covenant. No, you see, God no longer dwells in physical tabernacles. God no longer dwells in the Ark of the Covenant. Praise God, you see, I want you to understand that in this new covenant, God is dwelling on the inside of you. You see, you as a born-again believer have become the tabernacle of God. You as a born-again believer have become the temple of God. And look at verse 12. He says, neither by the blood of goats... And, by, and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. The holy place this is talking about is not the, the, the holy place that they had in the physical uh, tabernacle. You know, there was the outer court, the holy place, the holy of holies. He's talking about the real holy of holies, in this case, guys, which is heaven. 
you see. And so he entered into heaven with his own blood, and he says, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And so once again, guys, what did Jesus obtain for you? Is it a temporary redemption? No, guys, it is eternal redemption. Look at uh, Ephesians. I want to show you this real fast. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, eternal redemption. Now, how do we define redemption? I want to show you a definition of redemption in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, where he says this. He says, speaking of Jesus, in whom we have redemption, eternal redemption, we just saw, guys, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What I want you to see is redemption is the forgiveness of sins. Praise God. Redemption is the forgiveness of sins. You can go back to Hebrews, and he says we have eternal redemption. And so what you have in Christ, friend, is eternal forgiveness of sins. Praise God. You see, I want you to be confident about this, friend. I want you, glory to God, I want you to understand that all of your sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus that's past, present, and future. That is eternal redemption, you see. And so you don't want to fall into this trap of thinking that God, you know, you screw up and you make a mistake and now, well, I hope God is going to forgive me. No, he's already forgiven you. Forgiveness is already a finished work under this new covenant. Now look at the next verse. I'm going to show you some more things here, and then we'll look at uh, something here in the Lord's Prayer that I want you to see. Look at verse 13. He says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, speaking of the Old Covenant, verse 14. Watch this now, guys. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And what I want you to notice is we read earlier in Galatians, the law was given to, to make men more conscious of the sinfulness of sin. We read that in Galatians, right? And so... The law was literally given to increase sin consciousness. And what he's saying here is that in this new covenant, the blood of Jesus, he says, purges your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, now, let's break this down. What he's saying here, sin consciousness is... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. The sin, sin consciousness is, is really, is really defined as, as, as a believer. A believer who's operating in sin consciousness is, is a believer who is more conscious of where they fall short. You're, you're more conscious of your own short shortcomings. You're more conscious of where you miss it than you are conscious. Glory to God of the blood of Jesus, you see. 
You see, a person who's operating in sin consciousness is a person who has a sense of condemnation, who, who carries a sense of guilt, who carries a sense of shame. Now, what I want to show you guys is that sin consciousness increased under the law. You see, that was the purpose of the law, to make people more conscious of sin. Why? Well, so that they would understand, as I said, their need for a Savior. But you see, under this new covenant, guys, I want you to catch this, the whole purpose of salvation. God's goal in, in what he's doing in salvation is really to purge the conscience of men and women from dead works so you can serve the living God. And so in other words, what God wants to do, glory to God, he wants to free some people from sin consciousness you see now what when you're free from sin consciousness and and you are more conscious of the finished works of jesus in your life you see when you have a, a what i like to call glory to god a grace consciousness you see you're more conscious of what jesus has done in your life you're more conscious of what the blood of jesus has done in your life than you are conscious of those areas where you have missed it you see what that does is it liberates you from guilt it liberates you from shame it liberates you from condemnation, you see. And I want you to see that's what the blood of Jesus does. That's what he's saying right here, you see. Every time you remember that precious blood of Jesus, every time you remember that precious blood, and you remember glory to God, that as a result of that blood being shed for you, all of your sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for by the precious blood. What happens is that now cleanses your conscience from evil works. You see, every person, guys, as a result of the fall, as a result of sin, to some degree or another, one of the effects of, of the fall is that humanity as a whole has a sin consciousness. You see, the world does not necessarily call this sin consciousness, but you see, every person who's living in the world, in one way or another, a person has experienced at some point or another this sense that, you know, I just don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think I really measure up to the standard. Uh, you feel condemned about yourself in one way or another. That is an effect of the fall. That is an effect of, of sin consciousness. You see, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, guys, remember the first thing that they did was, was they hid themselves from the presence of God. Well, why did they do that? It was because condemnation came in when sin came in. You see, condemnation came in. Now, the goal of of or or one of the things that God is looking to do in salvation is he wants to free people from sin consciousness he wants to free people from walking around guilty and condemned now he says here the blood of Christ purchases your conscience from dead works to serve the living God catch this now guys what are dead works Dead works is anything that you do. Watch this now, guys. Dead works is defined as the things that you do to try to be okay with God. Dead works is the works of the law. The New Testament calls the works of the law dead works. And so in other words, if the reason that you are serving all those extra hours at church is 
so that you can be okay with God or you know you 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 messed up <laughs> you did something you weren't supposed to do you got into the bed with someone you weren't married to and so what happens is now you're feeling guilty about that you 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 feel a little condemned about that and guys anytime we feel condemned notice how often we now try to do something to make us feel better. Well, I'm going to serve a little bit more now at church. I just want to make sure I'm okay with God. Well, that's what dead works is, you see. And so I want you to notice that, that anything that you do to try to be okay with God is dead works. And the cause of that dead works is, is some type of condemnation, is some type of, of sin consciousness. Are you guys following me? And so what he says here is that the blood of Jesus is to cleanse you from that evil conscience. And that is really what, what the removing of sin consciousness is. Now let me be, be very clear. When a person is free from sin consciousness, it does not mean, here's what, that, what this does not mean, being free from sin consciousness does not mean that you know, you're, you're not aware of sin anymore, <laughs> you know, like you don't recognize sin when you see it or, or you don't notice what you're sinning in some way or another. That's not what that means. You're still aware of sin. You know, you still know that sin is sin, but being free from sin consciousness means that the condemnation is gone. You see, you are free from sin consciousness when you make a mistake, you sin, you fall short. But now you're able to have conviction without condemnation, you see. And so freedom from sin consciousness is, is, is to experience the no condemnation that Romans 8.1 talks about. Someone says, Alex, how do I get to that? How do I get there? You get there, friend, through the blood of Jesus, he says, through applying the blood of Jesus. You can do this when you take communion and you do it by just remembering, thank you, Lord. You feel condemned about something and you say, thank you, Lord, that your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness, Lord. Lord, I receive this cleansing now in Jesus' name. That's what takes away sin consciousness. And it's, it's, it's an amazing fact, guys. And I noticed this in my own life that the more free we become from sin consciousness, not only do we not condemn ourselves when we miss it, we also, guys, this is awesome, guys, this is really powerful, we also become less judgmental of others. You see, when you see other people living in some kind of sin, and you want to condemn those other people to hell because they're sinning. And, 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 and you know, anytime you do that, it's like you're saying, well, you don't have no more sin. Well, guys, no, remember, everybody's still got some issues going on, you see. But whenever believers are eager to condemn other people who maybe are sinning in a way that you're not sinning, you want to condemn those people to hell, well, condemnation comes out of sin consciousness, you see. And so, so, so the more that your own conscience is, is purged by the blood of Jesus, 
the more free you are from guilt and condemnation, what you will find is you won't be beating other people up about their sin anymore. And guys, how important is that, you see? That we as the church learn to just not be so judgmental, <laughs> you see? Now, I'm not saying that, that we, we condone sin. That's not what I'm saying, guys. I trust you're catching me. But what I am saying is, is freedom from sin consciousness enables you to first of all, not beat yourself up anymore over your own sin, but also to, to give other people some more grace as well, you see, and to really just trust, well, yeah, you know, they're, they're struggling in that area, but you know, uh, I, I know, I know Holy Spirit is working on them. You see, they're, they're a work in progress, just like anybody else. And so, and so freedom from sin consciousness is something that we are to have under grace, under the blessing, guys. Whereas under the law, there was an increase in sin consciousness. And so here's the thing. As long as we're operating under this law-based mentality, I got to do to be okay with God. What we're doing is we are actually keeping ourselves in sin consciousness. You guys listening to me? And so the solution is look to Jesus, guys. Look to what his blood has done and receive it, man. Receive it. Say out loud right now, I receive everything that the blood of Jesus has already made available to me. I receive the complete forgiveness that Jesus has already purchased for me. Praise God. Now let's uh, let's keep moving here. Uh, I want to I want to get this in before we're out of time. Or man, time just flying by, guys. I kind of feel like we're kind of a little bit all over the place tonight. But just you know, like I said last week, these these uh, Wednesday night Bible studies are kind of an opportunity for me to just kind of try out some stuff. <laughs> you know, just got to throw out some stuff and just kind of cook up some stuff here and we'll flesh this out a little bit more and I'll be teaching on this in, on, in the weekend and, and it's going to be powerful. But uh, we're just really just, you know, going over some stuff, cooking up some stuff here, man, cooking a good spiritual meal. Amen. Praise God. Some good spiritual food. We're, we're always serving some good spiritual food around here at Grace World. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> now, um, Look at this here. Let's look at these verses, and then we're going to look at this uh, thing about forgiveness. Look at verse 15, uh, Hebrews 9.15, uh, because I, I said that under the um, during Jesus' earthly ministry, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was still in effect. I want to show you this from Scripture. Look at verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, he says, And for this cause he, Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament. Now catch this, guys, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, guys, you have eternal redemption. You also have an eternal inheritance. <laughs> Glory to God. How many are glad about that? Someone says, Alex, how can I know? It says, they which are called, how can I know that I'm called? Friend, if you believe on Jesus... If you have put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know you are called, you see. You are called. Praise God. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubit. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. To learn more about our ministry and to access the full-length audios of this and other teachings, simply head to alexrubitministries.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, go to alexrubitministries.org forward slash give. Now I pray you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life. And I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.